right, welcome back to the Texas Triangle NBA podcast. The NBA has climaxed, and we're here with a towel to clean everything up. I'm here with my good friend, Eric. <laughs> I'm John. Cigarette. <laughs> uh, what's going on, man? Oh, man, uh, not much in my life, but, man, the NBA is fucking bananas right now, for sure. Yeah. I got to say, man. Yeah. Um, Super Bowl, that happened, but, you mm-hmm. know, fuck that. We're yeah. here to talk trade deadline, baby. Oh, yeah. Now, if I'm going to watch grown men give each other CTE, it's going to be pro wrestling. But <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's 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 not what we're here for. Uh, I think we decided <laughs> to wait a little while to uh, marinate on these trades and see kind of what the fallout would be before we started throwing out our takes as yeah. recklessly as we tend to. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when I get emotional, it can be a problem. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we waited. I've processed. I'm a lot more level headed now. So I think we had to start with the biggest trade, which was the Harden Simmons trade. Now I know some people listening to this podcast might go, well, what does that have to do with the Texas teams? Well, it's gonna have some implications for Houston. Pretty big ones, honestly. But um, just from like a thirty five thousand foot perspective, what's your takeaway on this trade? It's it's just weird that it happened so fast, I guess. I don't know, man. I don't know how to process this, really. It doesn't seem like any of it is well thought about. But at the same time, it seems to have been conspired for years. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just really strange. I don't know, man. I can't tell if it's a whole Daryl Morey, James Harden ruse thing or if it's just... Daryl saw James was available. This is the only cool kid who's ever mm-hmm. accepted his dorky ass, and I, I need to get him back. I love him. I want him back. I mean, yep. I, but I, I don't know, man. It's very weird. I think the fit potentially with Embiid is amazing, but I don't think the fit personality-wise is going to work at all with James and really anybody at this point. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough, man. I think James Harden over the last year has gone off the rails in such a toxic way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think the trade was a home run for Brooklyn. Yeah, I think so too. And for Philly, right now, I, I don't think it's going to end well, but we'll have to see. True, because yeah. it could they could just steamroll, and who knows? Yeah. Maybe they're the exact kinds of goofy that get along, opposite kinds of goofy that yeah. get along well or something. But I, 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 right now, I'm I'm definitely with you that I think yeah. Brooklyn Brooklyn took the cake here for sure, especially if Ben Simmons comes back anywhere near what he was before yeah. he checked out in Philly. Yeah, I think Ben Simmons gives them a little, well, a better prospect of long-term stability because I'm sure Sean Marks was looking at James Harden and the fact that he was going to be expiring and up for an extension, and he said, no, no, yep. I'm not doing that. I can't do that. Yep. We can get this 25-year-old who, you know, has got, a, you know, it's a max deal, but it's four years. The cap's going to be going up. So I think I'd probably have to take that and the picks, and Seth Curry and Drummond over Harden at this point. I would as well, um, especially considering the way Harden is just fracturing things everywhere he, he goes and not giving a fuck about it, it seems. Um, mm. Just the, the like, there's ways to do all of this politely or professionally at the very least, and, and the way he's just dodgy with his friends, wouldn't even talk to Katie about it. Uh, I don't know, man. This whole thing is real. Um, I'm, I personally look from Marks' shoes as well. You look at what he's doing to the locker room, how he's behaving, mm. how old he is, how he's not yet in shape still. I mean, he's, he's getting there now, finally. He's but, having injuries for the first time in his career. Also true. He's, yeah. now, he's now injury prone and sitting games out. Um, so it's... Uh, <sighs> I, yeah, I'm, I think that it's a smarter long-term investment to have all that cash tied up in a Ben Simmons who still has 
room to grow as opposed to a guy who appears to be starting the decline in, yep. in Harden. So much as I stand have stand <clears throat> James Harden over the years, it's it's indefensible at this point. I can't. Well, the way he left the Rockets, I was at least, well, okay, the Rockets do kind of suck right now. We have no help around him. I get it. He wants to get a ring. But yeah. to check out with Kevin Durant on your team after a fucking season is just because Kyrie's only part-time, and I didn't know I was actually going to have to give my all every game. I thought this was going to be an easy thing where I was going to coast to a title, and they'd do all the work. That's just how it reads. You yeah. know? I don't know. It's just I just I don't know what, what motivates Harden at this point. I mean, I don't either. He's he's either run off or run away from every co-star he's had at this point in his career. I I just I can't see him and Embiid working. I know there I know theoretically there's a way it's going to work, and I think I know what you mean. But is Harden just going to stand around when Embiid's posting up? Because I think Embiid's pretty unambiguously the better player at this stage. Yes, especially this season. Yeah. Um, even on availability, he's he's just checking that box over Harden, which is wild. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I just, I, I don't see Harden budging on the, I don't need to do anything unless the ball's in my hands stance that he's adopted and been coddled. Honestly, it's, it's Houston's fault. I, mean, I think Rockets fans need to not yeah. the city of Houston at large or us fans or anything, but the organization did this and largely yeah. Daryl Morey enabled James to the fullest extent possible. And, uh, I don't think there's a, a culture in place over there yet that can tug of war uh, deal with the energy, the gravity that an asteroid like Harden is going to bring with him. Yeah. And I just, is it really that bad to ask James Harden to say, okay, dump the ball off to Embiid, relocate, get ready to shoot or make a move with the ball, you know, and you're going to get, you're going to get plenty of opportunities. Yep. I mean, the Sixers don't have that much outside of Embiid and Harden at this point. Tyrese Maxey's really nice. Uh, Tobias Harris is, you know, he's Tobias Harris. Yeah, he's going to be yeah. frustrating and amazing. He equal parts all yeah. season long at completely inopportune times for both, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. But I just don't see, like, yes, honestly, to answer your question, it does seem to be too much to ask that of him. I mean, you go down the list of everybody who's requested <clears throat> more of him than what, or, or something different than what he likes to do, <clears throat> and you go, Mikhail fired. Patrick Beverly traded yeah. Chris Paul utterly like dismantled at a presser in terms of questioning his ability to even exist on a basketball court anymore. Just passive aggressively. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and, and then traded yeah. uh, Russ just traded. Uh, it felt like they were kind of colluding on it. Yes. They felt like they both wanted, yeah, yeah. they were going to force the hand of the organization one way or the other. But I mean, but we even, we even heard all the talk from Harden. Like I'm going to be a point guard, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to facilitate things. I'm going to run the show. I'm going to show everyone, you know, what I, what everyone already knew he could do, but yep. going to show more of it in terms of the passing and just creating and facilitating an offense. But man, it just like the sulking, the standing around on defense, not chasing after loose balls, just man, it's pathetic. It it's, is. it's hard to watch because he's so talented. He's so good. Oh, it's unbelievable. The, the, the years when he was actually engaged on like effort plays in Houston, I have never seen his equal on the offensive end of the yeah. floor. It's just unreal. It's maddening for the other team to the point where guys start fucking up. It, it's just, it's weird to see how, I mean, and, and it's weird also to read now that this was how he was always behind mm -hmm. the scenes. Like it wasn't, it doesn't seem like it was even a gradual no. thing. It seems like as soon as he was handed the keys to the car with the Rockets franchise, he knew 
he had him by the balls because that was all they wanted was a okay. star. And he, if, as long as he was playing like a star, he could do whatever the hell he wanted. And, and he's taking that toxic energy with him everywhere else, it seems like. And now he's back with Maury, the man who enabled him all of those years. Exactly. Which and I'm sure is what he wants. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And and what Maury, I, I don't, I, it's just weird to me that Maury is being so emotional about this particular decision. Yep. It's very funny. And, and I don't know. I'd say out of character, but it's not with James. Like, James Harden is, is his guy. How long until Dan Tony's replacing Rivers? <laughs> it's already a rumor. I, I mean, I... I don't see Doc sticking around if mm. this is how Maury is going to play. If I was Doc, uh, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. No. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Doc already has dead man stamped on his forehead. Like, it, having to deal with what's going on now, given Doc Rivers, you know, his resume of just playoff collapses on his own, along with his inability to manage challenging personalities, it's just... It's tough. It is. Yeah. It's it's very tough. And I I don't I was curious about the fit from the get go because every team that Daryl Morey manages, it's pretty well known that he dictates the encore philosophy as well. He's more or less the the head head coach yeah. um, in a sense. And, and it, we've had braver coaches over the years that were willing to yeah. just say that outright, like Kevin McHale. But it, it's pretty well known that Daryl Morey is is heavily influencing <laughs> the encore product as well. So it's. <sighs> I'm I just I, I just feel like this combination of Maury, Rivers, Harden, and Bede is like storing nine volt batteries and steel wool together. Like yes. it's it's not good. But I think we should probably focus on the Brooklyn side of this because that's gonna have really large implications for Houston's really next eight years. Yep. Or seven. so. Yeah, seven straight picks, I believe. Um, or swaps outright. But, uh, so yeah, it's all on Ben and Seth. Seth Curry is a nice little yeah. sneaky pickup too. Um, he's awesome. He is. He's very yeah. yeah he's he's really good versatile ball player now. He's not just that rando shooter anymore. And ah oh, man, I just I'm as a Rockets fan, I'm a little concerned that I I see a lot more ways that Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and this supporting cast work than James Harden. And, yeah. and so I think the value of this pick while it's in the toilet now, once Ben gets going, this team could potentially get really good and not lose a whole lot more. Yeah, it's going to depend a lot on Katie, how long it's going to take uh, Ben Simmons to ramp up. And then, you know, I guess we already know what we're getting from Kyrie for the rest of the season. That That is what yeah. it is. And it seems like everyone in Brooklyn not named Harden, which he's gone now, has kind of accepted that. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, I, I think Kyrie has shown that he's going to be Kyrie when he plays for yeah. sure. I mean, it's not, I don't know. It's, it's still just such a weird situation up there, but it, I, I did find it funny that everybody I've seen interviewed out of Brooklyn since this happened has feel, looked like they just have this weight off their shoulders yeah. and everybody in Philly looks like they're kind of on eggshells. Like, how do we not? How do we keep him happy? You know, and it's, I don't know. This guy is fucking wild, man. This James Harden cat is fucking wild. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about him. But what, where do you see Ben fitting in? Do you see it as a long-term thing over there? Do you think this is like a, just get his reputation back? And I, I mean, it depends. Uh, things in Brooklyn have been combustible for a while. If, if I were a Houston fan, I would have been rooting for Harden to stick around in Brooklyn just a little bit longer because of how sideways things were going and those picks were just going to get juicier and juicier. I think Brooklyn kind of buoys, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Ben Simmons kind of, he kind of uh, raises the floor mm -hmm. for Brooklyn a little bit in a way that Harden wouldn't have. 
especially with the way he was going. So that's a little bit of a bummer in terms of those picks. I think, I think they're so maybe too. not quite as good long term. But again, we don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie and you know his contract ending. And Katie's at a point in his career where, as phenomenal as he is, his you know he's going to have to take games off in the season. Yep. Uh, Just for his own health, for yeah. his own after basketball life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to watch. I still think uh, that that Houston Brooklyn trade could end up looking like a calamity for Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it all kind of just rides on the shoulders of Ben Simmons and how he performs. Yep. And they were able to recoup at least a little bit of draft capital from from Philly in this. There's two picks there. Uh, maybe. Well, I, have, I think it's a heavily protected 27. I don't remember. Maybe yeah. just Lotto. But it's unprotected 22 and then uh, protected 27. So yeah. that's not that's not a lot for James Harden. But no, it's really not. Yeah. But uh, it's still... They at least have those two years where they're like, well, at least Houston can't fuck us over a barrel this year. But I doubt any of those pick swap years, the way the rebuild's going in Houston, I doubt any of those pick swap years <laughs> that Brooklyn's going to have a worse record than than us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like the overall value of those picks is definitely... It's on watch for me because yeah, yeah they're go they they they're trending down because Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant, I'm, mm. it's pretty scary honestly on paper. Assuming the personalities mesh and Simmons isn't just like utterly a shell of his former self. Yeah, and and with those picks going to Houston, we're still kind of in wait and see mode with Stone and crew. We still don't really have a great idea of whether or not he's an awesome GM and what what his his mo is going to be moving forward agree he's done some really cool stuff he said all the right things but then you know there's a little there's a little hand sitting at the deadline yep a lot of houston fans were distraught that oh. the only move was the the tice Schroeder move so and it was not a good move i yeah. understand why they're so upset like i i was pretty pissed as well i'm, I'm glad we took a few days because i'd probably be screaming all kinds of dumb shit <laughs> but it just feels like yeah it feels like there was a general and we forgot it was the deadline sorry let's do what we can in the next 10 minutes that we noticed it it just didn't feel right it felt very weird um i i in a vacuum getting Schroeder plus for daniel tice is awesome like that's a great return but that's not what this team at its current state needed at all a veteran guard on an expiring deal that we can't resign with any bird rights even if he kills it He's just trying to get a bigger payday after he fumbled the bag in the contract negotiations. And and I just don't see, even if he works out exceptionally, all he's doing is delaying the development of Joshua Christopher to me. Mm-hmm. So is Joshua Christopher out of the rotation now I think with he played, Schroeder? I think he played just under three minutes. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, first game with Schroeder with no practice time for Schroeder yet. Like, he's he literally some... showed up at, at shoot-around and, and usurped a spot that yeah. a rookie had earned really, really like hard-fought. And yeah. uh, that kind of pissed me off. Uh, that got me a little bit. Silas, you're in my doghouse, buddy. You know, it's the first time I'm yeah. ever going to say that. But it's just, I don't know. I don't get what the front office and coaching the front office and coaching staff don't seem to be particularly aligned on their future Uh goals. And uh, I wished almost that there was more of a directive like, Hey, don't play 
these vets. Don't play Schroeder <laughs> all of Christopher's minutes, please. Yeah. This is like not the point. Thank you very much. But that wouldn't be a directive from a guy who just traded for Schroeder and says this is a guy that I really enjoy. I think he can really help our development of our young guards and blah, blah, It's just this was a baffling trade deadline. Eric Gordon is still on the fucking team. He deserved to be somewhere where he could win, even if you're taking less than your desired asking price. I see everybody framing it like he's so shrewd to have avoided a late first round pick for Eric Gordon this year. But I see it as a little bit disrespectful to Eric. Yeah. Well, I mean, truthfully, we don't know what was left out there. Very true. After, you know, White had gone to Boston, Utah made their moves. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Dallas did what they did. It was kind of hard to find a place where you're going to extract really any value for Eric Gordon, given what it was going to take to make a trade work with his contract. Yep. The, the Lakers also, uh, Dis- disappeared completely whenever that 2027 first got brought up yeah. in any trade talks it sounded like so mm. you're still you're still gonna have a chance to move him at the draft for sure and at camp and the next deadline so and i will be on the last year yeah. of his deal so it'll be a much more palatable thing for other teams they'll probably give up more for him it's a little frustrating that it didn't happen but i wouldn't be like putting my fist through the drywall because eric gordon's still on the team yeah chris there, wood on yeah. the other hand i might <laughs> chris wood is interesting i think the tice move Signal to me that we want to we want to see more of Shangun and Wood together. Yes, we want to make room for those guys and maybe even a little Garuba. God, that would be wonderful. Yeah. So I, I honestly, I'm not I'm not really seeing the where the outrage is coming from from an outside perspective. Nothing seems that bad. You didn't mismanage any assets. Daniel Tice really didn't have any value. No. It's not like we attached yeah. a first to him or something, you know, yeah. or even a second. So uh, I just. It's still just kind of the the inactivity of it all is yeah. just something we're not used to as Rockets fans. And I think we took it all out because it was a foregone conclusion that those two moves were going to happen for mm-hmm. everybody. But like you said, there weren't options out there. Other people found other avenues they wanted to go. Look at Charlotte. They mm-hmm. were the biggest wood suitor. And uh, they decided on going way cheaper and getting Trez. And, yeah. and it's going to work out great because now they have an interior defender, which you would definitely not have adding Christian Wood. Yeah. So I, 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 you're right. It's frustrating. Rockets fans, I get it. But like John said, it's a, it's a matter of what's available. And if there was nothing then there was nothing. And we don't know that there were those late firsts for Eric Gordon out there. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know that. And so. again, you're going to have more opportunities to move these guys. They're not expiring. You've got at least another year to move them. Yes. And this year is in the toilet regardless. And neither one of those guys, as much as they're frustrating us with a lack of development, developmental time for our rookies, neither one of them are winning us games, at least. Yeah. Except for the random one-off Eric Gordon game or the random one-off Christian Wood freakish offensive game. But What would scare I, me is if Jalen Green like took that post-All-Star game leap that we saw uh, well, we've seen from a few rookie guards over the years. Uh, we saw it with Anthony Edwards last year where he looked like, like you said, he looked like a total bust before the All-Star game. And then yep. afterward, he started on this trajectory to where he is now. Yep. So if you have KPJ, who's looking significantly improved with an improved Jalen Green. Yeah, I'm going to butt in and just say, hell yeah, KPJ yeah. looks fucking great. Yes, everybody that was yelling at me for no one was yelling at me for being a <laughs> hater, let's be honest. But anybody who was listened and been like, this guy, you call yourself a Rockets fan. Yeah. No, KPJ looks fucking awesome. That yeah. is all. Both ends of the floor, he's looking very good. He's gone from a guy who looked like he maybe 
should be like a 13th man on a roster to a guy that I can see playing a role in the NBA for a long time. Definitely. I see the point guard thing too. I see it starting. I really do. His vision is developing so nicely and I'm, I'm impressed, man. He's a good kid. He's a good kid. That KPJ. When he's not throwing shit. When he's not throwing shit or storming out of the arena at halftime, he's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I could see this team winning some more games in the last third of the season. And um, I don't know if that necessarily like ruins your odds in the draft. I think uh, if you if you have one of the four worst records in the NBA, you have an even chance of getting the number one pick. So it's not like the end of the world if you win some games, but... And that's pretty well locked yeah. for this team, I feel like, at this point. Yeah. It kind of seems at least. I don't know. Like, the bottom of the West is still scrunched up. Like, um, someone falls. Like, I mean, imagine if DeJounte Murray rolls his ankle and misses six weeks in San Antonio. There's only, like, what, a three-game difference between San Antonio and Houston? Yeah, three, four games. You're right. Yeah. yeah I guess it's smaller than I think. So you never know. True. Very true. But I just... <sighs> Even Jalen taking a leap, anyone else taking a leap, like this team is just it's shit on paper. Like it's a bad roster. There's no way to defend any type of competent big man that can any in score in any way. It's just a. Uh, I'm pretty sure this roster is destined for the bottom, no matter what happens. But it it'll be nice to see if if Jalen does take that All Star leap. I think he might. Yeah, he's looking a lot a lot more comfortable out there and a lot more confident. And I love that he expresses his frustration so visibly and, and readily whenever <laughs> like the play call gets completely aborted by Chris Wood or, or EG. It's so fun. So he's yeah. walking back to the bench like this with Silas, his hands up like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? You going to say anything about this? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think the, the rotation... Yeah implications of the Schroeder thing are what scare me the most about the future season is that he seems like he's going to get playing time that should go to younger guys. But I I also can empathize as a head coach. If you're watching this brand of basketball every night, night in night out for 48 minutes at a time and needing to tweak it to make sure that you're doing the best you can to win games. Like I imagine having a guy in there who actually understands how to play basketball is (laughs) really nice. So I, I guess I kind of get the the allure of playing him, but it's that's not the long term picture, you know. Yeah, man, if you're looking for Dennis Schroeder to like hold down your team and be a professional, that's kind of a that's desperation if desperation exists. But you know, Amen. And you kind of already had this guy John Wall if you were looking for that, you yeah. know. And he's a lot more of a professional. Yeah, a lot better at this. Mm-hmm. But whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck Houston's doing. Let's, we're just here for the ride, guys. Let's get that top draft pick. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of just like, you know, hurry up and wait. Yes, it really is. Yeah. The games are no longer, I, I even when they were bad early in the season, I was like, hell yeah, I'm at least some watch the Rockets tonight. I don't care if we're going to get beat. Yeah. I just, I can barely make it through a quarter anymore. It's rough, guys. Like, it's just so fucking bad. But this is the start of, of something much better, and it's going to take this to get there, I think. So, mm-hmm. ugh. Let's enjoy it while we can. <laughs> Absolutely. Because we'll be mediocre in no time. <laughs> uh, should we should we book it on down to, I think, the star, the darling of the trade deadline, your your San Antonio Spurs, sir? My San Antonio Spurs, yes. yeah. Our yeah. San Our. Antonio Spurs. Everyone <laughs> in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> where do we start in San Antonio, man? There's a lot... That happened. I think uh, 
Brian Wright just really showed out. Yeah, he, he, he really showed out in a big way. He had a lot of doubters amongst the ranks of Spurs fans. And uh, I think he, he, he did a lot of work at the deadline to silence those people who were questioning him. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Uh, there's a lot of criticism for continuing the whole inactivity thing. And no, you guys blew it up. Um, collecting assets first, greasing the wheels as the third or fourth team. Like, I think, I think Mr. Wright crushed it. And I'm going to get that nickname to stick. I don't <laughs> care that I'm not a Spurs fan. You're going to love it, Spurs fans. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I guess we can just kind of go piece by piece with what happened. Um, the biggest move was Derek White to Boston. So the Spurs traded Derek White to Boston for Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, uh, a top four protected 2022 pick, and then a pick swap in 2028, I believe. Damn, that's a haul for Derek White. That's a lot for Derek White. Yeah. Boston somehow got whiter. Sorry, I had to make <laughs> one joke. <right? laughs> so outside of the asset collection, I think, the biggest thing that this signals to me is that Pop in the front office are big believers in Devin Vassell and Joshua Primo. Agreed. Yeah. They, they are more or less signaling that the uh, transfer of, of ownership of the franchise. Yeah, I'm, I'm with mm-hmm. you there. This yeah. is the new era, the new big three with DeJounte. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've, we've seen three games now of uh, the Spurs with Devin Vassell slotting into the starting two spot with Joshua Primo getting some more minutes. And honestly, it looks like a more cohesive product. I think, you know, the, the fit with Derek White and DeJounte Murray was always kind of clunky, especially with neither of them being outstanding shooters, both of them kind of needing the ball to be optimized. Uh, we saw DeJounte Murray have two of the best games of his career with that 35, 15, and 10 masterpiece. Yep. And then he followed it up the next night with uh, 31, like 12 and 7. Yep. And then one turnover in each game. I was just going to say, yeah. it's like no turnovers at all. It's nuts. Yeah. So I think just that alone, just kind of clearing the decks and uh, kind of removing the gunk out of the engine of the offense and giving an opportunity to Devin Vassell, who's also looked pretty good. He has some inconsistencies with his shooting performances. Uh, he had a, the first two games after the Derek White trade against Atlanta and New Orleans. He was pretty good. And then against Chicago, he had a really, really rough shooting night. But he still manages to impact the game with, you know, his ability to wreak havoc with his length and play good D, rebound, just be an energy guy. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that, that Derek White trade is an A-plus. What's your take on it? I would completely agree. Just sort of the, the main point that you brought up of opening things up with the rotation and opening things up with the floor spacing yeah. without a white out there. I mean, I think that the defense, yes, probably will suffer a little bit with Derek gone. I think he's a good defender, but I mean, that's what it, it's going to take reps for these guys to, to learn mm-hmm. that into the floor as well. And it's, and pop's not going to teach them wrong. That's for damn sure. So yeah. uh, I think it's going to be, Really interesting to see the trajectory of Primo in particular because I see him as that guy who has that weird exponential curve mm-hmm. where it's like all of a sudden it's like foot all the way on the gas and he get he gets it one day and, mm-hmm. then, and then it's just like, oh, fuck, who is this kid? Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly am so weirdly high on Primo and his game and the way he seems to approach things mentally mm-hmm. that I, I could see that happening like this mm-hmm. year at the yep. end of the year kind of thing. He's just shown flashes of excellence at almost every skill you'd want a guard to have. Yes. 
he's shown his ability to probably be a pretty good stocks guy at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be steals plus blocks for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> um, he can shoot it. I think uh, he's gotten a lot better going toward the rim when he was drafted. There were questions about whether or not he was going to have the explosiveness to finish in the NBA, finish through contact. He's shown a lot of that. He's like really shown some big balls plays, yes. taking some big threes. <laughs> yes, fucking has. And then, you know, there are times where he's 19 and his teammates are going to freeze him out and they're going to say, we're not giving you the fucking ball right now. You haven't earned it. Yes. Which is fair. Of course. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. It's it's a different situation than the 19-year-old being frozen out in Houston. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, it's it's one of those where, yeah, you know, you're the baby. Yeah. You're not the you're not the future star of the franchise yet Yeah, kind of thing. The so. Spurs are so weird because they're like, uh, what, 14, 15 games under 500 at this point? But they have a positive net rating. <laughs> That's bizarre. How does that happen? I don't even know. Yeah. I guess you just, you lose a bunch of close games and yeah. you win blowouts, I guess, is, is how it would, would the scales even out that way. But yeah. that's just yeah. fucking weird. But I think that kind of spells some positivity for the next few years for this franchise. Because if they're already kind of towing the line of being a good team, I, it, to, to me that tells me they're, they're a piece or two away from probably being back in the playoffs, like thoroughly entrenched in the playoffs, not just a, you know, a fucking playing game. No, I'm with, team. I'm with you there too. I don't think yeah. that would be an over, over hyped exaggeration by any means, just because of the simple fact that you're that positive net rating is showing that they're competing with the teams that are better than them very closely. And then they're beating the ones that are worse <laughs> soundly. Like that's what a good team does. So yeah, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. One, one piece can tip the scale on a lot of those close games and, all of a sudden, mm. uh, this is a really, really good team. Yeah. And maybe it's not even one more piece. Maybe it's just development, you know? Yeah. That's the Spursian answer of it all, for sure. Joshua Primo's 19. Devin Vassell's 21. Keldon Johnson's 22. I think all of those guys have tons of room to grow. I think probably Joshua Primo has the highest ceiling of that group. But you know me, I'm I'm the biggest Devin Vassell fan there is. So, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I'm glad to see that one of my shot in the dark Spurs predictions for the preseason's <laughs> coming true with Devin Vassell. He was my breakout candidate, I believe. Yeah. But no, he's he's looked phenomenal. I enjoy his game a lot. Yeah, I cannot wait to see just what happens with this team over the last uh, what do we have? Twenty five games left, something like that. The season's blown by. It really has. I'm, and, it know, should have been a miserable slog. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I feel like we're getting together every week and talking about everything uh, like this is really nice. It makes it seem like it's going by faster. <laughs> you know, once I got used to the losing thing and I, I kind of learned how to watch the games, uh, you know, as the as a fan of a rebuilding team and kind of just taking joined little things like, oh, look what look what Primo just did. You know, mm -hmm. Vassell wasn't doing that two months ago, whatever, you know. Or just watching DeJounte Murray put up bananas numbers and be really fun, even yep. though the team is losing. There, there, there are things to glean, positive things to glean. Always. All the time. Always, always. But also, you have Greg Popovich steering the ship. <laughs> it's like, it's the first time head coach over mm -hmm. in Houston, and it's just, it's a lot sometimes. Yeah. It overwhelms me a little bit watching everybody figure it out at the same exact time. First time GM, first yeah. time coach, first time in the pros, players, and nobody there to be the stabilizing force, really. Yeah. And I think this trade deadline has really, uh, really emboldened my trust in the in the office for the Spurs. It seemed like there for a while there was a 
and I, I'm not I'm not necessarily alluding to what Brian Windhurst said in his um, reporting or it wasn't really a report. It was just oh, kind of just him oh, speculating oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that there was a fissure between Pop and Brian Wright, but it did seem like they weren't quite on the same page as to the direction of the team and what they needed to do. And now it seems like they are presenting a unified front and that we're going to, you know, kind of put our foot on the gas with this rebuild. Yeah, I think you're right. I've noticed that too. Over the last couple of weeks, I, um, I'm, I'm, pretty you know i'm a little more tuned into the spurs nowadays i feel mm-hmm. like thanks to the pod and stuff and all these cool people like i said see on twitter and uh but it's just like some cool some you know uh, spurs <laughs> fans i'm just kidding i'm just kidding guys uh, but the uh i just it, it is interesting to see how it seemed fractured fissured for a long time it was kind of obvious from from the outside in even that it it seemed like Pop was in more of a this is my swan song i'd yeah. like to have a good team to present thank you very much and uh-huh. now it seems like this particular i don't want to put words in pop's mouth or read his mind or anything because the man's an enigma but if i had to guess this particular group of young players Mm -hmm. is why he's so excited about a rebuild now is that now he's like you know what these kids are fucking good and they're gonna get it he said it he said it himself he feels invigorated coaching this team yes and that's cool you know the last couple of years there's kind of been this clouding you know is this pop gonna walk away is this it and i think we can comfortably say he's going to be back next season i think so too maybe even the next i mean maybe he walks away but at this point if he retired i'd almost be shocked i would too yeah and before the season it felt like a foregone conclusion he's just here to check the record box and then get out of there even though that's not really his mo and we should have known all along but uh, it still felt like that was an obligatory thing he had Mm -hmm. to do yeah and now it's like uh kind of want to keep going this group's fun yeah no pop definitely seems to be carry himself with more purpose now he's yes. like yeah i'm here to teach these young guys mm-hmm. and impart my wisdom and just you know he probably won't be around for when the spurs are fully actualized and you know at the peak of whatever this becomes but the fact that he can be here to put his fingerprints on and it's pretty awesome and i'm pretty grateful that he's still here i was just gonna say that's still really cool though that even if he's not and we'll knock on wood even if he's not around for when bearing the fruit of this it's just gonna be really cool to see how popovichian it it was all Mm. along too you're right it'll be his yeah no matter what it'll be him on him and 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 have his fingerprints all over it like you said i would kind of be interested to see pop go into like a pat role pat riley type of role where like he's just there to like do free agency recruitment like throw the rings on the table (laughs) it's you know san antonio is not miami in terms of a market but there's an infrastructure there and there's a lot of people who i think the spurs would tend the spurs would tend to not even target they be attracted to miami crowd anyways yeah. and so i feel like there's a whole sect of players that would be like i mean that's not really my scene but mm-hmm. i want to win and yeah. then that's the guy that you could send pop in like that for sure and players are more plugged in to things like culture of other teams than they yes. have been ever before and i think more and more players are appreciating you know being able to go to a stable situation Absolutely. Where they're going to be allowed to thrive. And, you know, we'll see. Uh, There's also <laughs> no state income tax. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Property is really cheap in San Antonio it compared to now. pretty much every other market in the NBA. Yep. And in Texas, every other market. It's weird that San Antonio is the last big city that maintains some some yeah. semblance of affordability, I feel like. It's still really, it's getting yeah. steep. But yeah, prices, prices are about to 
about the jump up in big San time. Antonio. Big time. Houston, Houston too, in certain parts of Houston. You're right. You know? And it doesn't necessarily, it's not those certain parts yeah. you're thinking of, I'm sure. No, there's some pretty, you can find some pretty decent little apartments yeah. and stuff in Houston for, for relatively affordable. So, you yeah. know, every, hey, there's good landlords out there. One <laughs> in every 14 million good is a good one, apparently. As opposed to here in Austin, where it costed me an extra $350 a month to renew my lease. Yes. Gotta love it. <sighs> Obligatorily every 12 months, yeah. just because they know it is more difficult for you to move and find somewhere else that's anywhere in the ballpark because yeah. they own all the properties, uh, four companies. And so they all set the price however they're going to set it. And you don't find anything cheaper anyways, yeah. because an email bot is your landlord. Lord, no humans actually own any property in Austin no. anymore. It's crazy. Just conglomerates. Yes, yeah. it's so weird. This city's just, man, the Adler era. I don't blame him specifically, like all the mm. weird Republicans do, but it's like that the era he's overseen in Austin, more of the soul has been sucked out of it than mm. I have I have encountered in a very long time. It's pretty impressive. It's become so fast paced and just difficult to live here, man. Yes. There was a period at the worst of the pandemic where traffic was nice and thinned out and it kind of, it felt like old Austin there for a minute because yep. they're just like people weren't going out, but man, it's back almost to full force and it's it just, is. it's, it's challenging every day. It really is, man. Yeah. It's frustrating as hell because it's, it's outgrown itself so massively without adding any kind of infrastructure support or, or more places to, uh, it's just wild. I don't know. Let's have the fastest growing city in the United States and everyone has to take a car everywhere they're going to go. Yes, because the public transit's ass. Yeah. But but we're giving all the bus drivers a raise. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's not their fault that public transit's ass. <laughs> they deserve their raise. Austin's so weird. I've never seen a city where bus drivers will just get out of the bus in the middle of their route and smoke a cigarette yeah. on the side of the road. <laughs> they're and they're, they're they'll just like wave bad. at cars they're, to go around while yes. they have a cigarette in their head. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> surly and mad like getting on the bus is like man sorry i would be pretty pissed driving around in austin full-time though too honestly well yeah we got off on an austin rant sorry let's get let's get back to the spurs man let's get back to uh, i guess the only one we haven't talked about is uh the old fat ass billy young <laughs> <laughs> so the fat young trade man that that was what really wowed me for brian wright because he basically turned Thaddeus Young and a second round pick and Drew Eubanks into a first that's probably going to land in either the low 20s or the high teens and the privilege to buy out Goran Dragic. Yep. And I, I mean, that's brilliant. It really seemed there for a long time that the Thaddeus Young thing was moving toward a buyout. Spurs fans were, you know, letting out all of their dread on Twitter about how, you know, it's unacceptable that. Thaddeus Young is going to be bought out. That's such terrible asset management. And it turns out <laughs> Brian Wright had that in his pocket the whole fucking time, and he made everyone look like a clown. Yes. Including Masai Ujiri, who is an excellent GM. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Yeah. That's uh, There's nothing that the Raptors got in that deal that's uh, better than that first-round pick, frankly. I, mean, I don't yeah, know. Theoretically, I see how Thaddeus Young is going to fit in what they're doing in, in – in Toronto with like all these like six, eight, six, nine mutants with long arms and just switch everything and defend everybody. And everybody can do a little bit with the ball, but you still need a center man. Yeah. And that, that young is good. Yep. He's not a guy that you want to throw up against Joel Embiid. Oh, at all. 
I, if you're going small, you know, he's a guy that you could put up against Boston or the Warriors and say, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get out there and we're gonna move. Yep. Thad Young's perfect for that because he can still pass. Uh, the jump shot has seemingly abandoned him, but he, he's still a useful backup big. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's a good player. I just think Toronto could have gotten more value for that pick. And I know they got the Detroit second back, which is probably going to be like the 31st pick in the draft, which is pretty good. Okay, yeah, definitely. You can find some gems there. But I think I would rather have the the 20th pick in the draft than Thaddeus Young and the 31st pick. I think so, too. Yeah, so, I, you know, Brian Wright just knocked that out of the park, man. It, he, was, it was incredible. He smoked this trade deadline. He absolutely smoked it, as opposed to <laughs> Raph Stone, who was smoking <laughs> blunt during the trade deadline this year. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, Raph. That was mean. And the little cherry on top was that Drew Eubanks was a throw-in on the trade. Yes! It's just like Brian Wright is our sugar daddy, and he saw all of our requests, and he was like, here, just uh, throwing wads of 20s at every Spurs fan. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, I'll do it. Yeah, no, he he really did check every Spurs fan request box, though, yeah. except for the guys who were like really extreme rebuilders that wanted a Dejounte trade. Yeah. But I, that just seems I don't. I was there for a while. No, I I don't blame you. I was yeah. I, I was kind of like understanding of that thought process before he really ramped up the season. But now I'm like one of the ten best players in the world potentially, man. Like this dude's really fucking good. That that is a bold statement, but there Maybe there have been good, moments. But like fifteen, you know, like yeah. this is a guy, frankly, that I don't know that a high draft pick develops into being much better than. You may no. as well develop around this guy and build around him. But. Yeah. Well, I think he's a guy that you build with. I think he's a pillar of the go. franchise. I think he's a legitimate all star now. Definitely. You know, a month ago I would have said, oh yeah, he's kind of like. Eh, not really an all-star, but if there's no one else, hey, you know, DJ, pretty yeah. good. Now he's like, DJ's fucking amazing. Yes, he is. And you know what I think every, I don't know, I'm watching all of it, and I feel like he wasn't always a natural facilitator coming into to, to the league, yeah. you know, necessarily. Yeah. I'm like, imagine what, like, he's doing, like, 40 assists with two turnovers over two games mm -hmm. and shit. Like, imagine, like, Chris Paul had been a spur, dude. Imagine, uh -huh. like, a, a Chris Paul-level point guard with Popovich as their coach. Are you kidding? They would go stretches of games with yeah. no turnovers, probably, right? Like, You're making my knees shake, dude. dude. it's wild. Like, I don't know why I was thinking about that, but it's, I, it's I can't funny think that, of it's funny Tony that, Parker, but yeah. he was a scorer more. Yeah. It's I funny know. that you say that because... um. I think after the, uh, I think it was the Atlanta game, one of the reporters asked DeJounte about his stat line, and he said, well, I still had one turnover, so good. Chris Paul will be mad at me. Good, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> so I, you, can, you can see that Chris Paul is a guy that he looks up to, <laughs> and, you know, DeJounte, he's even, like, throwing a little more flair into his passing. He still really racks up his assists on simple plays mm -hmm. and just taking care of the ball, but he, he has developed into a, a real point guard. Agreed. Yeah, he's awesome. He's yeah, he's fun as hell to watch, man. And I always, I just love, I love a two-way star, man. It drives me nuts when it's a guy who only does one thing, and that's all they ever think they're going to need to do. Like, he just, he busts his ass constantly on both ends, and yeah. he's always getting better on both ends. I think DJ's defense is actually like a little bit overstated, and it's not that he's not an excellent defensive player, but he's not, he's not a shutdown defender. Like no, you're not, gonna, you're not going to put him on a guy and say, okay, take this guy out of the game. That's not his game. He's more of like a get into passing lanes, wreak havoc with his length. Momentum uh, plays. Yeah, if, momentum if, plays. As much as that's a kind of yeah. analytics is a myth, uh, but I don't know. You yeah. see it happen in fucking games. Momentum, yeah. it happens for it's sure. Real. Yeah, it's definitely real. Yeah. Especially with plays like that, steals and dunks. 
steals and fast break dunks and things. Yeah, it's just huge, man. But I think that pretty much does it for San Antonio. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. We move on to the other the other Texas team that performed way better than Houston at the trade deadline. Or did uh, they? <laughs> well, I, I think so. I don't know. Well, I, would, I would say no moves is better than bad moves, but I guess we'll reach a verdict <laughs> in this segment. Yes, you're right. I know. I'm just being grumpy. I just wanted us to make 50 trades that, co- you know, involved 18 teams. And I wanted P.J. Uh, Washington. Yes, also true. <laughs> yeah. Yes, also true. <laughs> I really wanted some crazy left field, Chris Wood, and a bunch of picks, and DeAndre Ayton comes to fucking Houston type shit. You know, like, I wanted yeah. something wild like that that nobody saw coming, but I, that obviously was a pipe dream. Um, but, yeah, let's get to Dallas. Sorry. The big D, the big dingus, the big dongle. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Stapp's Porzingis is gone. Finally, is that a finally, you know, thing for the Mavs fans? I don't know. I think it was a pretty good return, I guess. Spencer Denwitty and Luca is an intriguing backcourt. I don't think uh, Denwitty and Bertans bring nearly the value to the team that Chris Stapp's was, at least in the regular season. But what this says to me is that Dallas is setting up for bigger moves, maybe even big game hunting and free agency, if not this summer, then two summers for now. Definitely a future future signaling move with a, like throw the dice and be like, well, if this year works out well too, yep. then that's awesome. We'll, we'll see, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I, for one, I'm very intrigued by Davis Bertans being included in this just because of seeing what players like him did with the James Harden type uh-huh. offense. And yeah. I just feel like being stand, go stand in the fucking corner Davis. Yeah. That's all you need to do. I'll get you a fucking wide open three. And you're one of the most insane shooters ever when you're wide open. And so. Dallas had to protect the ratio of white guys. Yeah, like you've got to give us a white guy back. Also true. <laughs> you can't just not give us a white guy. We're trading one here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's better than a fucking first round pick the Cuban man. Let me tell you. But I, I think that that's kind of being slept on in a weird sense. Like, I just feel like he will thrive in this yeah. style of offense more so than he would have in, in Washington for sure. Oh, yeah, I know. I think I think he'll be great playing off of Luka. He's going to be, uh, you know, the Ryan Anderson. Yes. For Luka, I think. Yes. Maybe. Hopefully not as unplayable on the other end, but seemingly Oh, he so. will be. He will be. Yes, yeah. he absolutely will be. Um, but I think that was nice. I, I like the idea also that Luke, Luca is kind of a passive leader. Um, he's not, he's more of a show up and do his work and bring his lunch pail. He's not going to yell at you and all that kind of stuff. And Dinwiddie's that guy. And I think that could be a nice little balance for the locker room Mm -hmm. uh, as well, moving forward, hopefully, but, or at least for this year, keep people from, you know, not seeing the big picture. So the thing that gives me pause about this trade is, Chris Stapps is really important to what they were accomplishing this regular season. Obviously, his offense is incredibly overstated. He's not a good floor spacer. Mm-hmm. The post-up stuff that was happening at the beginning of the year had completely fallen off. Um, but he was anchoring their defense, and they, they've had some really phenomenal stretches of defense. I was going to say he's anchoring quite competently, yeah. especially considering how the last two years in Dallas have gone for him. And they've given end. him up for guys who are... Dinwiddie's okay. <laughs> Ooh, I, w- I would bark. say Davis Bertans is pretty unambiguously a sieve defensively. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, well known. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, not even really heavily featured in the rotation in Washington anymore, no. right? Yeah. No. At that contract, too. At that contract. Woof. Bet they're really regretting that one, but they're pretty happy to get off of it. I think the Denwoody piece is interesting to me, too, because we've we've 
spent a lot of time talking about Jalen Brunson and what's going to happen with him, and he can just walk this offseason. So I think Denwitty gives Dallas a little bit of Brunson insurance. That's a fair point, and yeah. we were going to get to it eventually. But yeah, they they they've shown who they were prioritizing uh-huh. as far as resigning, and they made they went ahead and pulled the trigger on uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, and you know got him locked up for the next four years. And I just I that feels like such a Mavs overpay. I know a lot yeah. of the, the the analytics goons like DFS. Man, I just for four years fifty five million. You couldn't find that production somewhere else. Yeah, I'm kind of that's where I'm feeling right now, but I'm also in that wait and see where like cap spikes and things like this start happening and guys like worse than him probably start getting paid more. And I'm looking at this like three years from now, this might mm-hmm. be a really good value contract yeah. that you can can fill some salary with or 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 maybe he's just outperforming it because he he's good. But I just yeah, I, I right now I'm kinda leaning towards like yeesh. Yep. It could be, this could be nasty. This could be real nasty in a couple of years if he doesn't take any more steps forward. But if, if all of these guys perform, I think what they have is a set of medium large to, you know, largish contracts that can be used to uh, either dump if you have to or facilitate a trade for a. Uh, big brand name player definitely and they're increasingly available by the day (laughs) it seems like in this league um brad beal is now softening on his whole thing with staying in washington uh brad beal man i'm kind of off on beal kind of am too i get yeah you said it before the pod but he's given he's given hardened vibes yeah yeah and do you really want to give a you want to hit your way i guess i guess in dallas he'd be your second option he's great as a second option but man if a team trades for him thinking he's going to be their savior when he's done literally nothing in Washington yep. With, since he was drafted. And and hasn't had, he's had bad, but not horrendous rosters the entire time. Yep. Like, no, he's had some pretty decent rosters. Like, Washington gave it a shot there for a while with Wall and him. Uh-huh. And, and they were fielding pretty competent rosters. Yeah, I think they even made a run to, what, the Eastern Conference Finals? But that was, was I think... Round or something. Yeah, at least second round, I think. Maybe Eastern Conference, though. But those were really complete teams where John Wall was a superstar. And, Very true. You know, they had guys like Porter and Gortat and Nene. I was just going to yeah. say Gortat and Nene, man, holding it down in the middle. Yeah. On opposite ends of the floor. There is such a nice yin-yang. I hope uh-huh. that doesn't come off as like a racial thing. Sorry, I meant it to be like, <laughs> they're just such a good balance of like Nene's that like smooth offensive guy and Gortat's that like harsh ass fucking defender on the other end. That, the Polish yeah, hammer. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I don't know. That's just a fun, fun combo looking back at big men and combos there. <laughs> <laughs> I made it weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but no, I, I like the the idea of Dinwiddie as a insurance there because he could be t- potentially re-signed on the cheap. You've traded for his bird rights now as well, um, so you can go into the cap to get him. Uh, but it's uh, and and if Brunson walks and and gets a huge bag from some other team, you can maybe potentially offset that and be like, yeah. no, we're keeping Spencer though, Mavs fans. Don't you like Spencer? Yeah. But, and now now the Mavs have no choice but to go to that super optimized small ball like we're gonna run everything through luca and brunson and we're gonna space the floor yep. and defense be goddamned we're just gonna see what happens pretty much yep. um 
It's weird to think, though, like, I feel like Spencer Dinwiddie, do you think he's, like, the bench facilitator sixth man on this roster now? Or how does this, because he needs the ball in his hand. He's not, like, a yeah. spot-up shooter by any means. I think you probably stagger him with Luca. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That, yeah, Paul, the Paul Harden approach, more or less, with lesser Paul, yeah. much lesser Paul. And lesser Harden. <laughs> Technically lesser Harden, yeah. I don't know. Now I'm, you know how like it's just uh, that guy. I just can't be objective about Dallas, man. Same, same. Or James Harden for me at this point. He's just he's lost me. But what a uh, I, I, last thing on Dallas. I know it's probably pretty. This is a ludicrously fast Dallas segment, but I feel like it's a lot less half-assed than it usually is. And we yeah. haven't gone off on any tangents. And we had something so. to talk about. And we had something to talk about. And that's yeah. amazing how that works. So the other big rumor it feels like in Dallas land is uh, Dallas land, if you will, is uh, the uh, <laughs> Dragic, Dragic, Goran Dragic is apparently uh, linked still to them in the buyout market. I just feel like he's going to have 85 different teams calling him, uh-huh. uh, and one of them is going to probably be the Miami Heat, who he's literally been busted working out with in their clothes on yeah. Instagram. So uh, I'm pretty sure Miami's got this one locked up. But yeah. assuming in some fairy world that Drag Dragic gets – I keep wanting to call him the dragon because that's what our notes have on this. Sorry, I'm not mispronouncing Dragic every time like that. But I, I feel like in – Assuming he gets there, does he really, really tip the scales for Dallas this season? No, he's been pretty bad this year. I think so, too. I think he's pretty old. He's fairly washed. He can probably give you some nice productive minutes off the bench. And I think with Denwitty and Brunson, he's kind of redundant at this point. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. I think it would just be a uh, Luka appeasement move of get your countrymen in here kind of thing. And I don't know that even that makes a whole lot of sense. Luka doesn't seem particularly moved by that bring back yugoslavia <laughs> where's boris yeltsin bring back the sonics and bring back yugoslavia yes. is all i'm saying yeah. make basketball great again <laughs> build that wall again <laughs> no 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 that was bad <laughs> um well the dog is mad at my berlin wall joke yeah. I, I get it i don't blame him i mean but. was was Ending the constant civil war really worth losing the Yugoslavia national team? I don't think so. Priorities, society. We need basketball before everything, and you'll start to notice everything even out and get better, I promise. And then I believe we got the Owen Wilson masterpiece, Behind Behind Enemy Lines. You remember that movie? Very true, yes. I remember, yeah. I think I snuck into it and made out with my high school girlfriend the whole time when I was younger. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) not a convincing soldier no owen wilson not a good soldier at all wow wow but um yeah i I don't know i'm with you dragic not moving the needle for me in dallas i would stay clear uh he's gonna command full mle type salary from someone i'm sure um just 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 stick with what you got and build for the future like you you seem to indicate with the trade deadline Mm -hmm. so um any other trades we want to bust open anything else we want to hit on before we get out of here Trying to keep it a bit more brisk this yeah. week. We've been rambling lately. So I think the uh, McCollum to New Orleans deal is interesting. Me too. From the perspective of a a team that is kind of strag- straddling the the top five pick line, I think. Um, I don't know. Does CJ help this team more than Josh Hart? That sounds like an insane question. I know it sounds crazy. CJ McCollum is the more talented player. 
by a lot. And yeah. yeah. But this is again, we come back to this with Russ every week. I feel like and not not likening CJ to Russ at all. I'm so sorry if that was the implication there. But in terms of fit over talent, it is just Josh Hart was really key for the defense, the team defense yeah. of this Pelicans team, and which has been better than advertised this year in large part because of Josh Hart. Um, and yeah. so I just see CJ as pretty much a net negative on that end, regardless. And yeah. And then you're taking the ball out of the hands of Brandon Ingram and Zion when and if he comes back. Yes. I don't know, man. I don't I don't love it. I don't either. I it, do love it for Portland. Yeah, I love it for Portland. <laughs> it kind of it, it reeks of desperation yes. for New Orleans, I think. Yes, they're in that um well maybe we can convince him to stay mode of the whole disgruntled superstar thing. And I don't know that it's worth doing that with Zion. They're just making the same mistakes that they made with Anthony Davis, man. And yes. just like and, you know, Ingram's going to be up way before Zion. Yep. He's not going to stay. No, he's not. And he, yeah. he's very, very clear about that. And it doesn't even sound like it seems like it's an organizational thing and that all these guys come through New Orleans wanting to help New Orleans out. Yeah. But then they get into this organization and they're like, fuck, man, this is bad. Like these fucking stinks. dude. Yeah, yeah. This, this sucks here. And that just is a bummer to me. Like I, I, I can't even hiring someone as qualified as Griff is just yeah. still making this organization. They, they still look bad in everything that they do. And I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like it, it's a, a second class or, or not. It's like a, a, a toy afterthought to the owner group, ownership group. And, and I don't know. It's it's sad for the city of New Orleans because it's some, it's some good people there, but they don't give a shit about basketball much. No, so let's move the team. They've I got their know. Tigers and yeah. their Saints, man. It, exactly, we, yeah. which is fine. They're like, hey, Shaq played here. Yes, in our college team, we don't really need yeah. Pelicans. <laughs> so I I agree. It's a desperation move. Just once, I personally would really love to see a GM just have extreme nuts with these young superstar guys that uh -huh. are like the writing's been on the wall with Zion. Yep. Trade him right now. Get the hugest haul of assets ever recorded in an NBA trade. Surprise everybody. And then let the other team that gets him deal with the stuff that you can kind of already see is going to be yeah. a problem. Like, I just, I don't know. I just think that would be so funny and weird to see is just some GM flipping the tables on the whole player empowerment thing. We're like, you mm -hmm. know what? Nah, I'm going to call it. This guy's yeah. not going to be it. Let's trade him now. And I just, I don't know. I think that would be really fucking funny to see with Zion. I don't, but know. I don't think it will. I think the player empowerment movement has kind of evolved into something that's kind of almost unethical, man. Like this isn't what LeBron did. Like everyone points at LeBron and says, Oh, LeBron started all this. Well, like LeBron left as a free agent. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he hasn't like, sat out an entire season and foregone checks because he didn't want to be there. Exactly. LeBron always did everything pretty professionally. And like, even with the decision, like he donated all that money to charity is the only reason he, it wasn't his idea. He was approached by his, by yeah. an agent, super agent, fun fact, Ari Emanuel, <laughs> brother of Rahm Emanuel, <laughs> who happens to be the character that, uh, Ari gold on entourage is based around, uh, called up LeBron and said, do you want to do this ESPN yeah. special? We'll do your whole free agency announcement. It'll be great lebron said i'll do it if we donate the money to boys and girls club yeah like I, it's crazy that that fact gets completely overlooked to me and you know what we all watched it yeah it was fun yeah 
I was like devastated. Me too. Because <laughs> I was the twilight of the Tim Duncan era, and I was like, "Fuck, it's they're not going to win a championship now." It's over now. Yeah, they did. They sure as shit did. Twenty ten me did not know <laughs> that the Heatles weren't going to like win eight titles in a row. It sure seemed like they would. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I think I lost the thread on what I was saying. Player yeah. empowerment. Player empowerment. Kind of ethical now. I, it, I think I'm with you, man. It's gone too. It's gone too far. Yeah, it's just too too much, man. And I don't know how you fix it at this point. I think it's just kind of like almost a cultural thing with the NBA, where guys, the, the precedent has been set. Where like if you're even moderately unhappy with your situation, and you have no shame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, with the way agents operate in the NBA now, shame has kind of gone out the window. It has, and yeah. it's not even the players' will a lot of the time, or it's the players' will, but the yeah. way it's going about. And, and being done is typically by by uh, uh, you're being advised by your agent or I, almost entirely handled by the agent. I think James Harden does it in the most hilarious way because James Harden still doesn't have an agent, does he? I'm pretty sure his mother is still his yeah. official management agent. Yes. He just fucking gains like 40 pounds and stops trying. It's wild. I've never seen someone so shameless. Yeah. Ever in my entire life. I've never seen someone just utterly shameless the way he is sometimes. He's a trip, dude. He's funny as hell. Yeah. But um, what other uh, some other trades? I, I we touched on it earlier, but I do find the Charlotte trade for Montrez Harrell to be really interesting and potentially uh, potentially landscape altering for the middle of the pack in the the Eastern Conference. I would say. Yeah, yeah I think I think Trez gives them uh, a little more a little more verve, mm-hmm. a little more muscle too. Yeah, they've yeah. got a, they've got a guy that can play pick and roll quite effectively with Lonzo. I think, and I think he'll he'll mesh well with. It. Everything they have on that team, definitely. And I think when I think you can actually pair him fairly, fairly respectably with PJ Washington, and they kind of cover up for each other's deficiencies. I think I, I don't see it not working. Yeah, yeah I mean for just small stretches, obviously you don't yeah. start that lineup or anything. But and I mean we we've seen how the the trust thing goes in the playoffs. Um, but he can still he can still help this team that is really desperate for center help. I think Charlotte probably should have pushed a little harder for like. <laughs> You know, a a portal trade that was rumored, you know, yeah, that would have really, I think, probably pushed them into title contention. I agree. Yeah, I agree. A really top notch, just full caliber rim protector like that would really, really just lock this whole team up because the offensive end of the floor on this team is unreal. They have such a fun, good offense and it's well run and, and creative and two coaches with the with the level of point guard play you get with yeah. LaMelo. Um, yeah. it's just it's it's awesome. I I I agree with that, but I'm also I've I've kept an eye on Trez over the years just because he was a Rockets pick initially and I I liked him. Um but he's very impacted it would seem again I'm always speculating on this shit. I'm not like putting thoughts in anybody's head or or reading anybody anybody's <laughs> mind, but I could be totally wrong, but it seems to me like his happiness really impacts his performance in the situation mm-hmm. and he seems like he's like head over heels loves the team locker room coaching staff vibe of Charlotte already. Yeah. And I think we could see that uptick kind of similar to where we saw when he joined the Clippers at first of where yeah. it's like, Oh shit, who is this guy? Like, this is awesome. Like, and I, I think we could see the return of, of Montrez Harrell to an extent out in Charlotte too, just cause he's excited to be there. But I think that was a sneaky, good, interesting trade mm-hmm. as well. Especially for the price of the huge room. Yes. Which was almost nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, what the fuck are the Kings doing? I guess that could be our last, maybe our last note. <laughs> what the 
fuck is going on in Sacramento, man? They gave up a really valuable asset for a really good player. Yes. And, and I think that's kind of what it boils down to. It was an overpay for Sabonis, but Sabonis is automatically the best player they've had in Sacramento for four years. Very true. Uh, it's just a strange from the timeline perspective, I guess, for me, as I don't know what, what are they trying? Are they trying to pivot to immediate contention now? I guess just build around Sabonis. Yeah, they, they're going for the plan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And he'll get you there in all likelihood. Like, yeah. That is a badass basketball player. He's a little slow, unathletic, yeah. but again, it's like he's he's freakishly skilled. Yeah, and I think he's going to elevate uh, Fox and Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the rumors were that they, they tried to make the trade work with Fox, but Indiana wasn't interested in they the Fox deal. Yeah. And I don't blame them because Fox, kind of, at, at the contract he has, he's kind of a negative value. Yep. Um, now if he turns it around with Sabonis and Sacramento has gone from a team that had the worst center rotation in the NBA to one of the best yeah. with Sabonis and, um, Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. And Bagley's yeah. in Detroit. Yeah. Bagley went to Detroit, which is yeah. another weird one, but yeah, that was a, that was an absurd overpay for Bagley. Yeah. What they gave up for Bagley, who might not be an NBA player. It's, it was weird. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, the, the the center rotation of of Holmes and Sabonis is pretty good. Yeah, that's that's about as solid as it gets. I don't know, like healed the whole package is what healed Halliburton, couple of picks. Yep. Yeah, Oof. that's 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 a, that's that's a lot, man. <laughs> but for Sacramento, I mean, making the play in is almost as good as fucking winning a championship given where they've been for the last 15 years that's fair and also it's a uh just like it's so i don't know i i framed it initially as kind of ambiguous but now that you frame it like this like yo sabonis is our guy moving forward like mm-hmm. this is more of a clear like we're sacramento kings yeah demontis sabonis is our guy and i think they really believe this in davian mitchell yes which yeah. they should they should he was my yeah him and scotty were my picks for Rookie of the Year preseason. Um, no, I'm I'm with you. I I it's just so everything they do is just so weird and unexpected and and sometimes it always seems like they're the 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 dumbest guy in the room to me. It's just the Sacramento Kings. It's just weird. Yeah. They're just a weird fucking team. Them and Indy are both in like this contest to see who can put themselves in purgatory fastest. It I, I would like. certainly rather have what in Indiana has right now. Oh yeah. Because they're going to be able to move Brogdon once his contract becomes movable for mm-hmm. some assets. They've got Halliburton. I think, I mean, they might just say, fuck it, we're going to run it back with Halliburton and Brogdon and Turner and whatever we get in the draft and, uh, you know, see what happens. But, I mean, damn, they could, they could continue blowing it up and have a pretty fucking convincingly strong rebuild going forward yep. if they just if they maximize all the picks that they could get for the talent that they have on the roster. And I'm wondering what, what direction they take there though, because they have a very adamantly opposed to rebuilding head coach that they went out and big splash hired for multiple years. So yeah, well, I'm sure Carlisle will be back in Dallas after they fire Jason Kidd after the playoffs. <laughs> I don't think Carlisle will come back to Dallas as long as Luke is there. There was some, there was some legitimate beef at the end of that tenure for sure. But and yeah. they're, pick, they're picking Luca all day. They're gonna go. They're gonna die on that shield like like Houston did with James. I think. 
Well, anything else? What? What? Uh, any speculation on uh, Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes leaving AEW? That seems really weird. I haven't heard anything. Cody and Brandy, man, they're like the most unwatchable part of AEW in my opinion. When it started out, I enjoyed a lot of what Cody was doing. Like that first pay-per-view when uh-huh. he smashed the throne and he had that epic match yeah. against his brother. That was so awesome. Yeah. Like, that was really fucking cool. But yeah. It's I, like with the, the reality show and yeah, no. he's like this tweener. Like I don't want to root for him as a baby face and I don't give a shit about him as a heel. Yeah. And it's the same reason he never ascended in WWE. He's just yep. not a compelling character. Yep. Unless he's doing some sticky stuff like yeah. fucking Stardust or whatever. And then yeah. that has a, a really low ceiling on it. So he would never want to keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. He could parlay this into a really hugely un, like unreasonably massive like WrestleMania cameo, right? Like he could do like, fuck, fuck all this noise. I'm going back to WWE yeah. and be like a huge star, I bet. The fact that Vince didn't think that Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes or Cody Rhodes versus Goldust was, wasn't a compelling WrestleMania match is crazy to me. Absolutely nuts, dude. I, Goldust is unfairly pigeonholed because of his gimmick. Like some of his matches are his wrestling yeah. skill. Dustin Rhodes is awesome. Yeah, Dustin Rhodes is great. He's a really good wrestler. He had some classic matches as Goldust. Yeah. You know, I, I agree, man. That's no, weird. Dustin Rhodes is a Hall of Famer. Easily. Like what he did with the Gold Dust character, that's one of the most memorable wrestling characters ever. For a long time. For yeah. something that should have been a flash in the pan, haha, that was funny. Now yeah. let's move on thing. He kept it going for like a decade and a half. <laughs> like, and I, it, in hindsight, you think it's kind of silly, but in like 1996, when that character was first in its rookie year, uh-huh. That was cutting edge the way he portrayed that. Legitimately made a bunch of homophobes that loved wrestling very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. This yeah. is ooh, this is making me feel things. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. It was so groundbreaking and fucking weird. I need to turn this off before I have to start asking some tough questions about myself. Exactly. Oh, that's a nice wig. I wonder if I should No! Turning this off right now. <laughs> <laughs> Cody is the lesser Rhodes in the wrestling uh, uh, ring, as far as I'm concerned. I, well, I don't go that far. He's had some pretty nice little spots and nice moves and stuff. Again, Dustin's but, just more enjoyable to watch. Even okay. if Cody is more athletic and can make things look better, like I'd rather watch Dustin. Like he's yeah. kind of because Dust Rhodes comes out of the territory system where like they, those guys really knew how to work. Exactly. They didn't just do fucking acrobatics. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And also, you know, Dustin's a, he's an Austinite. So we got to yeah. show love there too. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Good, good way to close out. I don't know what the hell they're planning on doing, but I feel like AEW kind of their, their own creation passed them by in a weird sense. And that now they're kind of not really even helpful to the brand to be there. So I don't know, man. It's it feels like wrestling is just back in the shitter. I was yeah. so hopeful for about a year and a half, and it's just back to what it was. Yeah, uh, they're just, Vince McMahon needs to die. He does, but I were I personally feel that this Shane move, the Triple H thing, everything he's signaling that he is going to take this down with him because he does not trust anyone else to run it the way he does. It's really weird. I honestly believe he will legitimately tank the company prior to his death and they will take WWE into the ground with him. I don't either that or he'll cash out to Disney one last time or something. He's going to have himself buried with the billion dollars he gets from Disney for his property. Something like that. And it'll be clause in the contract where they can never do anything with it except air old 
old ones or something. You, know? <laughs> you can only do CGI raw from now on. Yes. Yes. Do that de-aging stuff on the Hulkster. Get him back out there. Get him back out there immediately. Is there any way we could get Rowdy Roddy Piper out there? He's not alive to fight us creatively anymore, so it'd be great if we could get a CGI version of him to do whatever we want. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine being able to, like, run out Piper without him, without the fear of him saying a racial slur on TV. <laughs> yes, or a way bleep, yeah, some type of way bleepable word. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Roddy. Anyways, man, it's been really fun. It has. This is a good yeah. episode. Good episode. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for listening as always. Yep. We'll catch you back at some point. Yes, we will. Whenever we feel like it. Just kidding. It'll be next week sometime. Yeah. Love you guys. <laughs>